Some information within the Focus Friday sessions, including guest names, occupations, and locations have been changed for privacy. Each guest has read and agreed to a written general advice warning prior to taking part and, when necessary, have been provided with a link to contact a financial advisor for personal advice after the episode recording. If financial products are mentioned during the episode, no detailed analysis is provided, and if it is suggested, for example, that shares could be sold to pay down debt, it's an option for the guest to consider under the guidance of a qualified financial advisor. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, PDS, and target market determination, TMD, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, and I, Glenn James, are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Well, 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 you pervy little peeps. Today is another episode of a focus session with someone in the My Millennial Money Facebook group, community, podcast, listener, all that stuff. These focus sessions are pretty cool. We go through in detail about everyone's financial situation. We just chat about their life, their goals, what they want to do if they need a sounding board for some advice, not financial advice because it's general advice. But uh, yeah, we just have a chat about their personal situation. You can see under the hood of some other listeners. Yeah, we'll see if we can get into some trouble along the way. Today, I'm joined by Ali. Just for his own privacy, we're just going to say he lives in Australia. So Ali, welcome to the focus session. Are you ready to get down and get dirty and get pervy with all the money stuff. Hello, everyone. Uh, Yeah, let's get into it. All right, let's get it on. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Rightio, so one of the requirements to jump on and have a chat with everyone because these slots sold out within about an hour or less on the first tranche that we did was to make a donation to a charity of choice of at least $200 because I wanted there to be some buy-in and a meaningful thing. Uh, We have given away a couple of free ones of these, but in the main, I was asking for a a charitable donation. We've raised well over $2,000 just in the initial thing that we've done with all the listeners so far. But Ali, what charity did you choose and why? Yeah, so I should actually say thank you to you for suggesting the charity. Um, it got me looking into charities and I actually went on to, I think you recommend a few, there's a yes. page. And the first one I saw was the Forever Project. And right. it sounded amazing. Um, it was helping women in Africa and Tanzania. And I was like, oh, this is a really worthwhile course and so I donated to that. Awesome, awesome. And in fact, Ali, if you want to listen, I did an episode with the founder 
a little while ago. So after this episode, I'll I'll share it with you and we'll put a link in the show notes uh, to that episode. But yeah, really inspiring story, isn't it? Sounds good. Yeah, I look forward to listening to that. All right. So let's just have a snapshot of, I guess first, before we get into the data, like why did you want to do a bit of a focus session with some guy named Glennie J? <laughs> so I... I think I had a very simplistic goal from early on and I didn't analyze the goal. I didn't really think much of it. I just had a number and I was like, I'm going to work hard till I get this number, whether I could achieve it or not. Did it really cross my mind? I didn't even know why I wanted that, to be honest. It just felt like, I don't know, a good thing to achieve. And then I achieved that goal and I was like, oh, now what? I'm kind of lost. I don't want to keep moving the goalposts further. What's the point of that? And your opportunity came up and I was like, this is perfect. Like this will be a good way to figure out some goals, some strategies, I guess. So without putting too many words in your mouth, are you saying you're at a a stage in your life, I guess, either financially or non-financially that you've achieved something and it's like, okay, now what do I do? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Like I've achieved a goal and then I'm also worried that I might lose what I've achieved. So. And and what was the goal that you achieved that you worried about losing? <laughs> so um, I set a goal of $1 million. I was like, that would be my number. That would be amazing. I was like, I'm going to work as hard as I can, save as much as I can until I get there. I didn't have a time limit. I was like, when I get there, I get there. I didn't even know it was a nice round number. It sounded like a lot of money. Mm. It sounded, and sounded it is, amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was the goal. And And you've achieved that goal. So that money at the moment, and congratulations, that's such a mighty effort. Because how old are you now? I'm 37. 37, awesome. And where is that $1 million, I guess, deployed? Where is that sitting? 95% of it is in the stock market, in broad range ETFs and LICs. Yep. And the other five is cash? Cash and super, I guess. Yep. All right. So you've you've done a a whopping big job at generating it, you know, over a million dollars, why would you be scared of something happening to it? Like, what's that all about? Because I think how I achieved the money was hard work and luck. A lot of things went right. Um, I had the skill set that was needed. And I don't know if I could replicate that. I also know that the skills needed to save that much money is not the same as to keep it. Um, I think that's where that stems from. So Mm. I'm worried, will I lose it? And if I do, will I be able to ever get it back again? Now, if you can look back, like what was the most frivolous, crazy thing you've ever done with money? What do you mean by frivolous? Oh, like have you gone, stuff this, I'm buying a $500 pot for the kitchen because I love cooking, you know, or Uh, have you gone, stuff this, I'm spending two grand on a trip to Bali for a week at the last minute. So what was kind of the, the last sporadic thing that you've done? Yeah, so my mindset completely shifted when I reached that 1 million mark. I was like, oh, I'm free, I'm happy, I'm going crazy because I used to be quite frugal before that. So recently I went to Thailand for all of the summer for a month and it was helpful because you're paying in Thai baht, so it's kind of like monopoly money. So I was like, oh, this is fun, this is fun. And I was just spending freely I wasn't checking my bank account and it was awesome like Mm. a whole month of just a pretty chilled 
And if you could put a price tag in Australian dollars, how much would that month cost? Uh, I when I came back, I I saw how much I spent, and in total, it was eight grand, including flights. Okay, cool. So, what I've kind of and I'm just trying to get to this whole scared thing because it is important to just understand and give it some third party perspective. So basically, well, we'll say there's three ways that you can lose that money, right? The first way could be personal litigation, right? So you could get sued and they're like, that guy, we pushed me over with a shopping cart. You know, I'm a little old lady and he rammed into me and pushed me over and I, I'm suing him for everything he's got, right? So that's one way to lose the money. That's, it's just not going to happen, right? So like that, that's one way. So, you know, getting sued or anything major like that is one way. Uh, and I guess just in terms of the human element, that the other way could be you, uh, are you because you're currently single. Is that correct? Yeah, I am single. Yeah. Uh, by so, lose, sorry, I should clarify. <laughs> like, yes. I mean by I have I don't have boundaries on spending sure. anymore. Yep. So I don't know like how much I should spend guilt free and okay. how much I should be working or saving. Uh, yep. Okay, that's cool. And I'll, I'll still finish this because it's good for people to understand. So you're more scared of losing it from lack of boundaries, structure, and being a bit frivolous, and not like allowing lifestyle inflation yep. to yep. to creep in. Yep. And- so you're more scared of the person in the mirror than external factors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, strictly speaking, you know, you could get sued and lose everything that way. You could marry someone, and you know, there's heap of kids involved, and you've some of it has to go to them if you separate. The other way could be market fluctuations. You put it all on, you know, Dogecoin and it goes down the drain. So lack of diversification. On the frivolous thing, in terms of losing it, in recent history, the biggest YOLO moment you've had was only $8,000, right? So even like, so if we go $8,000 divided by 1.2 million is 0.66%, right? So half a percent is your track record of recklessness based on your total portfolio. So that's not a concern because if you said, oh, I, I bought three new cars last week for 50 grand and, and that type of personality generally wouldn't accrue this much capital. But yeah, you're right. The lifestyle creep can be an issue because it's just ticks away, ticks away, ticks away. So you're more, and scared might be a bit of a stronger word anyway, might be more worried or that, you know, you might start dipping into that and eating that money when you probably need to just keep working and earn money from work. Is that a fair comment? Mm-hmm. So just tell us a little bit about what your current role is and how much you're earning and working at the moment. So I work in training and it's a part-time role. So for that, I get uh, 50000 a year. That's yep. around... 20 hours a week. It's fairly, fairly flexible. So I can work from home and kind of choose my hours as long as the work is done. So yep, it's a yep. very good job. Um, there's additional roles I could take on top of that. They're probably like 12 week projects and I could boost up my income between by five to 20 K. Yep. And then I have a side hustle, uh, which I'm actually winding down now. Um, sure. And but stilling the training and learning type world. Correct. Yeah. Yep. So 
are we saying going forward the side hustle probably won't exist? Correct. Yeah. Yep. It's I'm trying to find the right balance of working and having fun and just focusing yeah. on other things. So I, I see the side hustle is taking quite a lot of time and energy. And so, yeah, that would be, yep. I think, the first thing that probably needs to go. Sure. And so would you say ordinarily without the side hustle, you could probably generate 70 grand a year by doing 30 hours a week? Um, yeah. Or 20 so. hours a week? 30 hours a week. Yep, cool. So everyone is thinking over the last 20 years, how did you generate best part of a million dollars? Because some of that would be market movements. Is that correct? Yeah, a bit. I, I grew up quite poor. So when I could work, when I, I started working at a young age and for me, I had multiple jobs for a very long time. And the role that I have now is not the role I used to have. So I transitioned into a more quiet role. So I, I worked really hard for probably 10, 12 years, um, yeah. made a lot of sacrifices, would probably work six days a week, sometimes even more. And that's why yeah. I'm trying to shift the balance a bit now. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you've pretty much gone for the last, would you say, up to 20 years with a foot flat to the floor. Yeah, especially the last 10 years. And I yeah. think I hit burnout as soon as the pandemic hit yeah. as well. I knew it was not sustainable. I had to stop. Yeah, because it's like, you know, you've got a share portfolio of, we'll just call it a million bucks. All the money in the world doesn't solve burnout, right? Mm. Like something has to stop. So how much do you think you were putting away per year before you got into this current role of, you know, 30 hours a week at 70 grand? I had a really high savings rate. Um, and I was, because I was working quite a lot for a bit of it, I was doing FIFO as well. So I was away, so my living expenses were minimal. So I think I was on maybe a 60, 70 plus saving rate. A lot of it was the mindset as well. I didn't realize how how much money I was making. I was just working all the time. So it didn't really hit me. Like I was living in a shared house for quite a long time um, mm. and I probably didn't need to make those sacrifices. But yeah, so my living costs were very low. And I think with that, yeah, like 60, 70% of my income was just being saved. Mm. So, you know, absolutely grinding away, high savings rate, probably not spending much money because you're too busy bloody working anyway. Like looking back now... Were there, are there any regrets? Like, do you regret it or are you just like, well, I was making hay while the sun was bloody shining. Now something's going to be different going forward. Like- <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day. I was young and very ambitious. So I had the energy, I had the drive and I had that goal. I was like, I want to save a million dollars and that, that kept me going. But I can't do it again now. Like after, after hitting burnout, after taking a bit of time out to think about the effect that this is having on my health and mental mm. well-being I definitely don't think it was a good idea so looking back at it um yes mm. I do regret it a bit but at the time I was so driven how your health you've rated your health five out of five so there's no you've got no health issues you've got no private health insurance yeah no I don't have private yeah. health insurance um yeah like the past since since that one mil mark um I've been don't like health has become a big priority to me. So, right. Um, yeah, I've been working out quite a bit. Um, I yeah. joined the gym and they have these 
fitness classes that are on at 9.30 in the morning. So everyone that goes there is pretty chilled. No one's rushing yes. for work. So it's perfect. You know, I remember yeah, me. awesome. Yeah. So. so you've got a really lean setup. Tell us about your living arrangements. Uh, so they've suddenly changed. Um, my... I used to live quite frugally and then I think my annual expenses <laughs> have inflated quite a bit now. So right now I was probably thinking about buying a house, like a primary place of residence a year yep. ago. And I started to listen to a few podcasts and I was like, I really am not interested in any of this. Like I don't like property. I don't like any of it. And I was like, oh, I'm happy renting. Renting's perfect. You could just if something breaks, you could just call, like send an email or call the real estate agent and they fix it. It's nice and easy. And this year, um, I was expecting my rent to go up by 10%, maybe just a bit above inflation. And I got a shock and it was a 30% increase. And it was it was brutal. It was like, accept this increase or uh, you have to vacate yeah, in 30 days. And I was like, wow, that is so, like, it's really unsettling just being told mm. that, like, I, I wasn't ready to move. And I was like, I really need to buy a place. Um, mm. And so, yeah, my mindset has shifted now. I was happy renting, but I'm now on the property journey, I think. Yeah, awesome. And what's your current weekly rent? It's gone up to $700 a week. Wow. Yeah. Adds up, doesn't it? And are you renting by yourself or is there someone else in the house? I'm renting by myself now. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. You and me both. And <laughs> is it a house, apartment, it condo? Is, it is a house. It's a nice, spacious house. I've got a home office and there's a, like two living areas. So it's it's beautiful. Yeah, sweet. And talk to us about cars. What have you got with a, do you have a car, motorbike, boat, caravan, anything like that? <laughs> so I have a car. Uh, I bought a Toyota Corolla, which just sits in the garage collecting dust. Um, <laughs> I've not used it for two years. I bought a electric bike last christmas and that yep. that is awesome i'm on my bike all the time so yeah how much was the bike two and a half grand so it's yeah, quite okay, cool now how much have you got in just cash savings account in your name not in the portfolio or in super so i'm tr trying to boost it up a bit uh just because i was going to use it as a deposit so yeah probably around 120 and then just having a look your super, how much is in your super fund? I think around 100. Do you currently have a will or power of attorney? I don't know. Okay. That's probably something you need to get sorted out, you know, as we get older. And the, the will, you know, being single person, not so much a huge deal, but particularly the power of attorney, like if you were incapacitated or you couldn't make your own financial decisions, it'd be great to have a trusted friend or family member be able to you know, assist with your situation. And, you know, that'd be a once-off cost of a few hundred dollars to get a, a will and a power of attorney. But there's definitely a lot of assets here and uh, you'd really want to make sure that it goes to where you want it to go if you did check out early. Mm -hmm. That's an immediate action item. Because uh, what I'm just doing mentally is going through uh, my sound financial house with the four foundations and one of those is a, a will and estate plan. You've got an emergency fund. You've got no consumer debt. You talked about, you know, the lifestyle inflation and you didn't send a budget through. Talk to me. I'm just going to draw it. How is your bank structure set up at the moment? So when you get paid, it goes into a bank account. Mm -hmm. And then what's the rest of your banking structure? So this is what I need to try to figure out. I'm still, I used to, 
save as much as possible first. So we'll go mm -hmm. into a saving account and spend as less as possible. So what that means is everything goes into the saving account apart from rent, uh, costs and fixed costs. And as I need to spend money, I would allocate it back into my transaction account. Right. Okay. So basically you get paid, you move all the money to your <laughs> savings account. And then when you need money, you ad hoc move it over. Yeah. Yeah. And because it's so easy with like instant payment and stuff, it's totally yeah. It's, and it's, is that savings account different than your pay account? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I honestly think, and I say this, you know, I've done calls where people are living on more than what they earn. I've done calls now with you, and you've got like lots of money, and money isn't your problem, quote unquote. Not having a really good automated spending plan will make lifestyle inflation easier to achieve or harder to track. And and it's just going to be a bit of a mindset thing. And what I'd probably encourage you to do is somehow, and I'll send you a link and you can do the Glenn James spending plan and have that spreadsheet at no cost. But like the whole lifestyle inflation thing at the moment, if you're not keeping track of what you're spending, you're probably doing it the other way. It's just like, as long as I keep my savings going up, I'm making progress. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if that works for you, knock yourself out. But to really remove that fear of overspending, having an actual budget spending plan in place will give you a lot of comfort. I think that is my goal. Like I, yeah. I'm lost at that. I don't know how much I should be saving, how much I could spend yeah. and be okay with because yeah. I played a bit around a bit with that guilt-free spending. So I was allocating... I opened a new bank account. I was allocating a bit every week to that, yeah, and just having fun with that money. So buying coffee, buying lunch, um, yeah, that. and that's and that was great. <laughs> that was a really fun experience. Yeah, and that's like when I teach, you know, budgeting and money management, having that automation. So you know, money might go into your uh, pay account, and then you automatically send money over to your bills account. You automatically send money to a holiday account. Automatically send money to a car that you can use guilt free throughout the week because a lot of people like me being a spender, if the money's there, I'll overspend <laughs> because, you know, if it's got money, if it's got, if it's near me, it'll grow legs and walk away. But the savers, it will suddenly give them permission to spend and have fun. Mm -hmm. Now, you're an interesting cat you are because I think you're worried about lifestyle inflation, but you're a really good saver and what I actually think, and just as reading between the lines, I'm happy to be wrong, because you're untethered from a current goal, that, that's no anchor in your life for success because now you're just floundering and because there's no anchor of what you're aiming to achieve, you're like, oh, what if I overspend because I've achieved my goal and I, well, my goal now is just to make sure the savings account increases. I don't know, is that something that resonates or am I way off? Yeah, no, I think so. It's, it's, yeah. it's good to get an insight yeah. into it. We'll take a quick break and then we come back and I want to talk more about this house and a few other things that I can see here. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Right yeah, we're back. So you've got a really lean life. My question is, and it kind of follows from the budget discussion. Like, do you know how much it costs you to wake up of a morning per year? Yes. So, since in my goal, like, I think it costs me probably fifty to 60000 to live. So, yeah, like, I live a good life now. Um, like, I'll, And a good life to me is, like, getting Uber Eats a few times a week or... Yeah going out and uh, buying friends drinks or stuff like that. Whereas I never yeah. used to do that before. That wasn't me. And I, like when I experimented with that, I was like, oh, this is really fun. I, I enjoy this. So now I would say, yeah, that would be probably, yeah, max 60000 I think. So you could live off $1,200 a week, rent, good times, overeat, everything? I think basically. so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So realistically, and it, of that money – because we've got to look at, because the, the side hustle income is going to go away, I think what you need to really work out is now that you've got, we'll just call it 70 grand gear, you've got 70 grand to play with, that 1200 might actually be too much based on the 70 grand after tax. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Have you looked at, at that far ahead? Like factoring in not having the side hustle income? Cause, oh, we forgot to consider the dividend income though. Oh, yes. Okay, so you're eating the dividends? They're not reinvested? No, I, I stopped that too. Now I'm getting the dividends. So yeah, again, so I'm, I'm the saving dividends. them, but yeah. But. Yeah, and what's that worth per year, do you think? I think around 40-ish. Yeah. And so just so I'm clear, so at the moment, the dividends are getting paid into your spending or yeah. your accounts in your own name, not the cash account that's on the investment platform. Correct. Yeah, so you're eating your dividends. Correct. Yeah, okay. And and that's fine because you've built this portfolio and that income can now supplement your life, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think you should feel guilty about that. If someone like cuz if someone was not in this position, you know, they just wouldn't have that luxury to work less hours and live off their investments, right? Mm-hmm. So I I wouldn't feel guilty about that. Okay, so that that makes sense. So realistically, what I would really encourage you to do is still work out some type of budgeting or system. So, and to be honest, I'm just thinking here, I'd even look at what's the investment platform that you use or the brokerage account? Uh, Self-wealth. Self-wealth, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. What I would probably look at doing, right, is paying the dividends back into the self-wealth cash hub 
right? Mm-hmm. So they stay out of your life and running your life based on employment income, net employment income, right? But any quote unquote savings for holidays or, you know, frivolous things, when you need to go on a holiday, you just pull that cash out of the self-wealth cash hub. And how much should I be like tracking for, so with my employment income, how much of that should I, like what's a good percent to save, what's a good percent to spend on discretionary spending? And, and this is like, it's a shameless plug, but this is, you know, when I've done these before, I've got people to fill out my spending plan because it just breaks everything down. But what I think, number one, I'm just going to do one thing. I'm just going to get tax calc up and it's just a free website, taxcap.com.au. So based on, we'll just call it a 70 grand a year. So this is just employment income only, right? So that is, do, 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 do. So the net per week, right, is $1,065, right? So based off your income alone and your rent, of 700 a week, you're spending 70% of your income on rent, right? Just your employment income. But we know that that dividend income is actually coming into your life. So it subsidizes that. It's probably down around 30%, right? So it's not a big deal. So I really think you need to get ultra clear on your living expenses because I I just don't think, you know, or, or get some type of system so it's, it's easy because the worry about lifestyle inflation only happens when you don't have a, a week-on-week cash flow management system. Your income's pretty regular. And I, I would like to see, you know, and let's talk about it now. So what do you, you want to do in terms of houses or homes and PPOR? Like what type of purchase price are you looking at? That also, I don't know. <laughs> so right. I could... I could live in something that's probably 500,000. Um, you could get a modest house in my area for that. 800,000 would get you a, probably my dream house. Again, so I don't know. I feel like I could do anything between there yep. and would I even get a mortgage? Do I put as much money as I can towards, towards it? Do I go 50 50? It's a lot of, yeah, difficult decisions, I guess. Mm. What's the difference between that 500 and 800? Is it newer? Is it bigger? Is it in a better spot, the 800,000? Mm-hmm. Or is the 500,000 an apartment or a townhouse? Uh, no, both are houses, but what you said first. Yeah. So, okay, cool, um, cool, cool. Yeah, like a better house, better spot. Yeah. So I'm just having a look here. I'll just put 6.5% interest rate. So basically, if you bought an $800,000 house, right, put 300 grand into it from your portfolio, the mortgage of $500,000 roughly would about 6.5% interest on a 25-year loan would basically be about $780 a week at the moment, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, you've got a really good problem to have and I think you either carve off and probably what you need to do is speak to a mortgage broker and get some options of data on the table because you can either do, as you said, like sell 800 grand of the portfolio, buy a house outright, and you've got no debt, no rent, no mortgage, how good's life? Mm-hmm. Like that's one option. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I reckon if you 
you look at that times 52. Yeah, like that's 40 grand, like 500 grand. Even if you did 500 grand house, the servicing rate on a $500,000 mortgage is 40 grand a year, which is about what your total dividend is anyway. Mm -hmm. So the way it's happening at the moment is 40 grand a year is coming in from dividends. That's just going to rent at the moment Mm -hmm. where you sold down 500 grand of your share portfolio, bought a house out, out with cash, well, the 40 grand will reduce because there's not, there's 500 grand less of dividends mm-hmm. and we can get into what your portfolio is made up of. And then you don't have that mortgage anyway. So it's like a net net, but I think the feeling of not having a mortgage or owing the bank money would feel really cool as well. And you could speak to a mortgage where I can go, okay, what's the scenario on a $500,000 purchase a $800,000 purchase with a 20% deposit and you fund that deposit from some of the cash that you've got and or sell down some of the equities. But even deciding, like, what should I get? Like the 500 or the 800? Well, and, and that's what I said. Like, it's it's almost funny these calls, like, because you're in such a good financial position, you've got so many good options. It's very overwhelming as well, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and. So I think like, yeah, you can can do whatever you want. (laughs) Like you can continue whatever you do. Basically, you can continue working 30 hours a week, you know, do that four days a week and you've got a permanent three-day weekend. Mm -hmm. Like, so I think it's going back to what do you want? Do you have any hobbies or interests other than making and saving money? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like traveling. Um, So, yeah, like... When I went traveling, that was a lot of fun. What, okay, question. Why a why are you renting a house and not an apartment or townhouse? Um, I grew up in a a flat, a apartment, yes. a, a very small thing. And I guess it was always a dream to live in a house. And I was like, oh, they have so much space, it will be amazing. Like imagine yep. imagine that. And as soon as the opportunity to, to came up to rent a house grabbed it and I, I enjoy living in the house it's it's nice where did you grow up in the uk london what do your parents do oh uh, yeah so my parents were migrants and so they yep. found it really hard um my mom didn't speak english uh, when she first came right. so they had quite minimal jobs as well growing up so yeah awesome so yeah the the thing about the house was i grew up in a flat Houses have lots of room mm-hmm. and I want a house. Yeah, that's fine. That's that's fine. That's fine. I'm just having a look at your suburb on Domain just to have a bit of a look. What is the actual housing market like over there at the moment? I see like a, do you mean like a buyer's like market? A, yeah, or like, yeah, or like a, if you, have you had much of a look at a places staying for sale for long or is it not? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. No, that's, <laughs> okay. that's fine. That's fine. So, and would you be looking around the same area as what, where you're living now? Mm-hmm. So, I'm just having a look here, right? Okay. So, there's there's one here. So, how many bedrooms has yours got? Uh, three. Yeah. So, three bedroom, one bed, one bath here and it's got mid to high sixes. So, I, you know what I reckon you should do? This is, this is wild. I think you need to first deeply decide that yes, you will be buying a house. So that's number one. And, you know, you weren't going to and then the rent increases, now you are. So that's number one. I think, so resolve in six months, I'm buying a house. Mm -hmm. 
So now the fact that you said, oh, I don't want to, like if something breaks, I just email and they come and fix it. Does that scream, well, it screams to me that maybe you wouldn't be interested in being a an owner of a property because one, you've got heaps of shares and you don't own any investment properties or would you be open to the investment property idea? I definitely don't think I'm suited for investment property. Um, I'm yep. not handsy at all and it seems very yep. stressful. Um, yeah, no, that's fine. Because what I was thinking is we we buy a house, bigger block, you've got a bit of capital there, build a granny flat, have a, you know, or a dual lock or something like that, do something a little bit strategic and sexy to try and make some money ongoing as well out of this venture. Okay. But, so that's just a thing to think about. But honestly, I reckon if I was in your shoes, and that's kind of the only way I can answer this, I'm probably speaking to a mortgage broker, getting approval for like maybe a six fifty thousand dollar purchase, and you know it's we'll call it yeah you've got one hundred twenty grand, call it one hundred thirty grand or one hundred fifty grand deposit. Do the numbers of the mortgage repayment being no more than your current rent, so at least your week on week won't change too much, Mm -hmm. right? Mm And just go and have a look at some places or speak to John Pigeon and, you know, get a buyer's advocate and just go, look, this is what I want. This is the price. This is my budget. Go get me a house. Here's some money. Just make it happen. Mm-hmm. Because you can't wreck it, <laughs> can you? Like, mm-hmm. what's your, um, because your saving rate has dropped a little bit, some of that emergency cash slash the 120 that's saving there, some of that will be from dividend income, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Moving the portfolio aside, based on your income at the moment, you're not, quote unquote, saving lots of money Mm -hmm. because you're spending Mm -hmm. it, which is totally fine. So, yeah, I'm probably more inclined. If it was me, I'm probably extra radical. Uh, You've been in your location for a handful of years. You're not moving into state anywhere, no plans to uproot your life or anything like that. Correct, yeah. I'm probably trying to pull 500 grand out of the share portfolio throw that hundred grand that you've got in cash, just go and buy a house. Okay. Get on with your life. I mean, that's what I will do, caveat, general advice, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think that's one way that you will stop lifestyle inflation as well mm-hmm. because it's not going to increase because of rental payments. When you own the house, guess what? No rent increases. Mm. We've only got to put some money aside for maintenance then we get your spending on track once the house is settled and all that. Then we go, okay, now I'm going to start rebuilding my share portfolio. I just honestly think when you're in such, such, such a good position that you've got at the moment, if you're not 100% wedded to you know, having that equity pool there, it's totally okay to sell down half your share portfolio and buy a house outright with cash. And in terms of tax land and strategy and also see a financial advisor, I'm not a financial advisor, if you did want to get back into equities, what you could do is you could get a, um, a loan against the property and buy shares with that. <laughs> like if you totally regretted it because <laughs> you'd rather have the debt that is tax deductible than non-tax deductible. <laughs> I'm probably a bit sloppy with these kind of discussions because I haven't had many. No, it's but, good. Um, to, it's, it seems scary to like it's so. It was so easy to put money into the share market for some reason. It's very totally. It's a different. Um, I don't know. A different skill to put it out, and especially yeah, that much so, money. But yeah, because basically what you can do is you can use your house as security to get a loan or a separate mortgage, right? 
to put it towards a deposit on another investment property, to put it towards an equity portfolio. But it just seemed crazy to me to be having all that equity out there in your own name, equity is in stocks, and paying interest that's non-deductible over here on the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm not a qualified anything. You've got to get financial advice. But I just want you to probably start to resolve that, yes, I will be buying a house because I'm sick of rent going up. I want security. I'm happy to be in this area longer term, at least five to seven years. You would have no intention of leaving at the moment. And then what you could do, right, then you get the house, rent's not existent in your life, mortgage isn't existent. You could then look at, okay, the balance of the share portfolio, what dividend income is that producing? Mm -hmm. Now that I don't have a mortgage, can I look at my expenses and either reinvest that or any money that I do generate? And who knows, right? So get this. The crazy thing is, if you owned your house outright with cash, in a couple of months or whatever, when the dust settles again, you might excited again to have another goal at getting that account back to a million dollars. True. Yeah, no, that, like, that sounds like a, a good strategy, I, I think. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like it's just, as I said, I'm probably not the best help here because I don't know, you're really on the right track. What? Let's talk for everyone before we run out of time. Actually, before I talk about your share portfolio, talk to me about work and what your career looks like over the next five to 10 years. So this is difficult situation. I'm very fortunate. I could choose how much I work. Yeah. So I get the I got the part-time role that pays fifty thousand and I feel like that's fairly secure. Obviously there's a few factors that are out of my control. Budgets can change, but I'm fairly certain that job will be there for a while. Additional roles, it's hard because you never know when they're gonna be available. Um so it's kind of like do you want to take them now or do you want to, do I need them now or should I wait? They, they come and go and they're dished out on the first come first serve basis. Then the mm-hmm. side hustle, I used to love that. I used to love working for myself, but it, it's draining. Like it takes a lot of time. And I also question, should I be doing this anymore? Like, is it still giving me value? Um, and it's also balancing that, like how much work should I be working? It's, it is a very fortunate mm-hmm. situation, but it's also quite hard to, to determine, I think. If you didn't have to work, what would you do with your time? <laughs> so I also thought about this and I was like, I would actually work, but it will be on yeah. my terms. Like I would do, ex- I'm choosing to work, which is a different idea than being told that you have to work because... Well, yeah, I mean, you, I would challenge that mindset. Like, you're in a good financial position. You could literally now go, I'm having a year off work. Sure, you might have to sell some shares and live off a bit of cash and dividends for a year, but you've got the ultimate flexibility to build your life how you want. But if I give up that opportunity, it, it's hard to yeah. get back. So it's also like the golden handcuffs, I guess. Like once, Yeah, sure. But I, I'm talking about, are you talking about that like 50 grand contract that is pretty secure? Yeah, like yeah. they would fill up that position, I'm pretty sure, pretty fast. And- yeah, but I mean, you've still got, what, 20 hours a week up your sleeve. Uh, for the side hustle, you mean? Or Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you said... If you didn't have to work, quote unquote, you'd probably still work doing stuff on your own terms. Why wouldn't you go, and I'm just spitballing crap here, 
six months time, I own my own house. So I don't have rent. I can live off 50 grand a year if I had to. Worst comes to worst. What's the saying? Worst comes to worst, whatever. Then what about you start to build your side hustle to turn it into your full-time thing? So in a couple of years, you can tell the current employer, hey, I don't have time to work for your 50 grand a year now because I could do it on my own for 90 grand. Like you could use this as a platform to start to build your life. The side hustle I don't enjoy anymore. Sure. Um, that was my idea to try build it up. Oh, oh, sorry, maybe not so much side hustle, but can you kind of do, if you want to do stuff on your own terms, like assuming you didn't need money, would it be the same type of role or same industry, slightly different role? No, it would be the same role, the same job. It would just be, yeah. I would be in control of, no, I would make a conscious decision of how many hours I do right sure. now. I still feel like, oh, there's opportunity. It's It feels wrong not to take up an opportunity sure. that presents itself. Is there any scope, you know, with that contract that's paying you 50 grand a year for about, oh, sorry, 30 hours a week, is there any scope to turn that up an extra day? No, because the, the actual role of the job can be done. Sure, um, sure, yeah. So at the moment, that job, so sorry, 30 hours a week, 50 grand a year, what, oh no, sorry, I've got, was it 70 grand? Was there another, t- there was 20 hours at 50 grand and 10 hours at 20? <laughs> yeah, so it was um, 20 hours a week, 50 grand, and then yep. any additional role was up to 20K. And the additional was with the same contract company. Correct, it's the same company, it's yep. just extra projects sure, sure, sure. that you could do. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. So, sorry, realistically, you could continue to do probably... 70 grand a year, 30 hours Correct. a week. Yeah. But if you didn't have to work for money, quote unquote, you had all the money in the world, you would probably still do that because you enjoy it. Yeah, it gives me meaning. I help people. Yes. I, would, I would do it probably not as many hours. You know what I reckon? I reckon if you didn't have to pay rent, that would change a lot in anyone's life like if you owned your house outright in cash because accommodation cost is such a baseline thing in everyone's life. Mm-hmm. So imagine waking up tomorrow and not having to pay $700 a week rent. It feels unreal, doesn't it? <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah, like go and buy a freaking house. Get out of here. Like, And I think that could actually make going to work even more fulfilling because if the shat hit the fan well, I don't have to pay for rent. I can go and or deliver pizzas two nights a week just to put food on my table while I press reset. I've still got a portfolio of 500 grand and my super ticking along. Life's pretty good. Man, this is what I needed. I need someone to tell me this. Like, it's, like I, I don't know. I don't, it's weird. I, well, this is like the whole focus <laughs> and perspective. Like you've got all the options in the world. Basically, if you do not want to own a house outright and you want the shares back once you buy a house outright, just get another loan and buy shares again. At least the debt's deductible then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and at least you're not going to get a 30% increase overnight. Mm. So that, I, I think you're really in a good position. Like it is more around that, going back to the start, like 100% removing the the fear of lifestyle inflation. Well, it, 
if you own your house, it's not going to inflate due to rent or mortgage increases. Mm -hmm. And realistically, if you then, if you owned your house, every time you got paid, you could literally just go, well, I'll just put 20% of everything I get paid into my share investment account or into super. Because you don't go into debt. You can have goals that now are, I want to travel once a year. Mm -hmm. Like you could almost run your life the way you're doing it when you get paid, put everything into savings and pull money across when you need it. But as long as there's this structure of your lifestyle's never going to be inflated because of mortgage or rent. But should I do that? Should I say, okay, I'm going to save 20% and I'll be fine. That's all I need to do. I could blow the rest. Yeah, and, and this is where like you're really good at, you know, not touching the investments other than the dividends. And maybe there is some financial advice required just to model out three scenarios like, Scenario one, own the house with cash, investing, you know, if there's any savings left, you know, if there's 10, 15, 20 grand a year left over from either dividend income or a bit of your employment income that you're not touching, what do we do? We carve off 10,000 for an annual holiday that's banging. And then do we go, we're putting 10 grand in, five grand in super and five grand in investments. You've got all the, you've got all the problems in the world. <laughs> you got heaps of money, but I think, yeah. Yeah, it's just knowing like um, how much can I save, how much should I save and how much. Well, as much as possible. <laughs> and yeah, like you, what you could do as well, you could either get a, um, a financial calculator and go, look, you're living off say 1,200 a week at the moment, 60 grand a year. At the moment, I could probably live on that much money forevermore, amen. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want for much. You've got lots of money. We then just work backwards. It's like, hey, when I stop working completely, do I, like, I need to make sure there's enough capital there to be drawing that. Mm -hmm. So I, I just think, yeah, you've just got to work backwards. Like, going back to that question when I asked at the start, like, when was the last frivolous thing you did? You know, going on a holiday that you haven't been on for years at eight grand, when you've got a million dollars of a portfolio, that's not frivolous. <laughs> uh, and you're probably putting too much pressure on yourself about this lifestyle inflation stuff. But yeah, you're right. The only way to get rid of those surprises of rent increase is to make rent go away. Mm -hmm. And that could be buying a house, 600 grand, 650 with cash. Because mm -hmm. then like in terms of your life on this planet, the biggest thing like security and shelter is actually taken care of. Mm -hmm. Like you're ahead of the rest of the world, like you already are, but it's that difference and the. And this is why you need to really work on this mentally over the next six months. If I woke up tomorrow and only had a share portfolio of $500,000, can I survive knowing that I don't have to pay 40 grand a year in rent? Mm -hmm. So for example... If I said to you, let's look at it this way. If you give me $500,000 tomorrow, I can guarantee an 8% return for the next 10 years. Would you do that? Like guaranteed 8% return. Worst case, 7%. Yes. Best case, 9%. Or like a good deal. Would you do that? Yeah, it's an annuity, right? So I've just kind of back calculated this. So if you took your $500,000 out of your share portfolio, took your $100,000 cash, mm -hmm. 
$600,000, bought a house that stops you paying 40 grand a year in rent. Mm -hmm. Realistically, what we're doing, we're saying we're just taking 500 grand of my share portfolio, putting it over here to give me a guaranteed life return at least over the next three, four years because rent's probably not going anywhere over the next three to four years. Mm -hmm. I'm just guaranteeing a return of 7% in my life. Okay. So that's just a way to emotionally look at that, Mm -hmm. that you're not selling your share portfolio and realistically, based on you know the round forty grand a year, you wouldn't have many uh, dividend stocks anyway. What? Just give me a quick breakdown of the portfolio for everyone at home. Um, so it's just the main Vanguard uh, ETFs. So, uh, yeah, yep. So yes. what? Like yeah, VAS? There's a lot of overlap. Yep. So as I was learning, I was yep. buying so VAS. Yeah, 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 yeah. VGS. Yep. <clears throat> we the high growth one. VDHD. VDHD. Yep. Um, VTS. Uh, VEU. Uh, VTS, yeah, VAU, yeah, and then I think I and got anything Afikin, else. Um, Argo as well. I mean, could you use this time if you do have to liquidate shares to buy a house? Use that to rebalance the portfolio and clean the portfolio up. Like for example, if you're like, oh, I'm happy with VDHG forevermore, Amen, one single ETF. Mm-hmm. We'll freaking piss Afikin Argo off, pick piss VTS off, like. Do, do it that True. way. Yeah, that's a good yeah. idea. I could use this opportunity. I mean, that's kind to of, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't be pro ratering the sale if you were going to pull 500 out. I'd probably look at my, and again, you probably need to get some potential advice if you need it, but I'd be looking at, okay, I've got this huge overlap here. There's no point selling 10% of all my stuff to pull out X amount or, you know, 30% here, 20% here. I'd just be like, all right, in a perfect world, if we're cleaning up, Let's just sell 100% of the overlap and then be left with either your VDHG or your VAS and your VGS or something like that. Yeah, no, no, that's an excellent idea, I think. Yeah, so you've got heaps of options. But yeah, I think the first thing I want you to do is sort out your wills and estate planning. So that's just housekeeping, whether you own a house or rent. So any garden variety estate planning lawyer in your area will be able to sort that. I'm happy if you haven't engaged in a mortgage broker already to introduce you to someone just to get some data because to make any decisions, we want data on the table, right? So let's get some data from a mortgage broker. What would the mortgage be if I put in 200 grand, paid 450, the rest of it, you know what I mean? 500, the rest of it. Because you're really, because you're not a handy dude, you probably do want to pay maybe closer to the 650 to 700 so you don't get a shack that needs heaps of work. Mm-hmm. I get something turnkey that's renovated and done. Yeah, so get some scenarios from a mortgage broker. You can go three-way scenario. Can you give me the details of putting in 20%, borrowing 50% or you know, owing 20%, putting in 80%, like just getting the three scenarios just to start to emotionally digest that and then really just look at your spending and see if you can tweak anything in relation to the structure. Uh, But my goal in finishing would probably be your employment income. If you own a house outright, your employment income covers everything that you need to live and any dividend income can just accrue in the background. And then every quarter you go in and go, all right, I'll pull two grand out for a holiday and the rest I'll reinvest. So I do that and like 
and not save. Like that, that sounds awesome. <laughs> like to, to be able yeah, to well, spend that much money. Like well, I, and I don't know because I don't have the actual data in front of me. But we just need to know how much it costs you to exist mm-hmm. and work backwards. Mm-hmm. And I want you to holiday more. I want you to, you know, because you've got all this money, you've got to have those life experiences. I want you to maybe, you know, look at forever projects mm-hmm. and see if you can support them financially mm-hmm. in a meaningful way. Like, can you stomach doing $500 a month to a charity? Like, let's get some good, I don't, it's just time for a big financial shakeup in your life. And this is good catalyst for you to yeah press reset mm-hmm. but honestly you can't wreck this <laughs> you, i think the only way yeah i just i'm just looking at it like there's just no point like because if you need to rebalance your portfolio anyway right you've got to make a sale at some point to rebalance that portfolio mm-hmm. correct so we've got to make a sale there's a tax event there so be it so if we're going to make a sale anyway well and rebuy back in, I'd rather you not have any non-deductible debt in your life. And if you do want to borrow that, buy back in and you want to then leverage up, get a mortgage against the house that you own and then 100% of that debt is paid, like is deductible. Mm-hmm. That's just how I'd be looking at it. Yeah, okay. This is good. I still have this, I don't know, this fear, this mental image that I'll be out on the street homeless and it will be raining. <laughs> no, no, because realistically, do you know what happens when you own your home? Your expenses go down. No, it's your home. You oh, own true. it. <laughs> yeah. You know the percentage of homes that get foreclosed on when there's no mortgage on them? Do you know what the percentage okay. is? 0% <laughs> of homes that have no mortgage do not get foreclosed so on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you've got home insurance, if it burns down or floods, you can get a new home, but you own that. It is yours. Mm-hmm. And I dare say, buy the house if a year goes down the track and you're not enjoying it, sell it, put the friggin' bit of closing costs and whatever, real estate fees as learning and put the money back in the market and then go and rent somewhere else. True. I'm so fearful. <laughs> like what's the worst know, that can happen to so, you? Yeah. For some reason, I'm so fearful of making a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I was like, oh, like, no, I, can't like this. I can't do this. I can't make these decisions. Yeah. But what I want you to do, I'll send you an email just after this Wheels and estate planning, have a chat to a broker. I really think if you've got to liquidate the portfolio to rebalance it because it does need work with all that overlap, just buy a house. I want to introduce you to um, John Pigeon who hosts The Property Show and just have a chat to him because you're the perfect candidate, I think, for a buyer's advocate because when I asked you about the market, what the market's doing, a house is staying on, you like I could be wrong, Getting a buyer's advocate will be able to find you a house and you'll, like if it costs, I'm making up a number here, it's probably not going to be this much. If it costs 15 grand to use a buyer's advocate, they'll find you a house probably that's not listed for sale mm-hmm. yet and probably cheaper than the 15 grand if you just went on domain and put an offer in. I actually got a um, buyer's advocate. So when the rent, oh, yeah, you do? When the rent increased, oh, awesome. I was like, I really need to sort this out. Um, so I listened to heaps of podcasts and I was like, this is oh, a lot perfect. of work for me. I, I'm not going to be able to do this and I decided to. Yeah, so where is that process at? Have you engaged them formally I have. yet? Um, so oh, I'm just about to I'm, sign I'm so presumptuous. the contract yeah. um, and they yeah. also introduced me to a mortgage broker 
who oh, well, you're just all put sorted. in the numbers, but we're still just waiting. May I ask out of interest what the fee for the buyer's advocate yep, 6, is? 6600 Okay. And are they doing all the work for that? I think so. So I feel like... just seems very cheap for... A, I'd just be interested what's included. Yeah, he was like... I really related to him. Um, That's he, the main thing, yeah. He used to work for a big buyer's advocate um, firm and then he's ventured out on himself. So he's been doing this. There's nothing in there about it's 6-6 six, six and a small percentage or anything no, like that? No, it's just 6-6, six, six, yeah. Oh, okay. And I think he has yeah. a different structure. It. It's an investment compared to, say... Oh, um, sure, sure, sure. place of residence. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, there you go. I'm, I'm probably a little bit presumptuous there that you hadn't gone that down that road already. But yeah, I would honestly, your reason for living now is to kind of just get emotionally ready to perhaps put a fair bit of chunk into a house. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Look, we are out of time. Was there any final comments, complaints, queries, questions? I know, it's been fantastic. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I'm not, I haven't been much of a help because it's just like you've got all these options and and the problem is I don't want to listen back to this myself because I'm going to probably think, oh, what the hell were I saying? But because I'm just learning this and thinking in real time as well, right? So you're going to have the time to um, to really distill. And um, I think I just wanted someone to tell me it'll be okay. Like I'm not going to screw this it will up. Be. It'll, it'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> Delete all this episode. It's a five minute episode. Ali, it will be fine. You, no one can take the money from you. It's, you're not a dumb guy. It's, you can't blow it. Just, it will be okay. <laughs> Thank you, Glenn. <laughs> all right. We will leave it there. You were listening to a My Millennial Money Focus Session with Ali. If you're still listening, we apologize. Thank you so much for joining us on My Millennial Money. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify, in-store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com retail23. Shopify.com retail23. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.